0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 135 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a photographer who has been traveling North America in a teardrop trailer for the past three and a half years, Mandy Lee. Mandy and I had a great conversation this week, and we talked about some really fun topics, including how she got started on her journey to travel the continent in her teardrop trailer, her epic trip from the northernmost point of Alaska to the southernmost point of Mexico, what life is really like on the road, and how social media has glamorized the travel lifestyle, her quest to climb 14 Colorado 14ers in 14 days, her YouTube channel, and a lot more. Over on Patreon this week, Mandy talks all about her strategy for monetization of her travel photography lifestyle. Well, before we get started, I am excited to announce a special offer. One thing that I really love about this podcast is that we get the opportunity to collaborate with other photographers who are doing amazing things in the world. One such individual that I want to tell you about is Phil Monson. He organizes trash cleanups and makes amazing clothing and stickers to inspire others to do similarly great things in the outdoors. As such, I am running a special offer over on Patreon in conjunction with Phil Monson and his amazing company, Intrada Outdoor Company. Until December 6th, new patrons of the podcast at the F-Stop Gods and Goddesses Contribution level will receive a new Entrada Outdoor Company. Leave it better than you found it, Hat. Uh, you get to pick the one of your choice. If you're already a patron at that level or higher on December 6th, you'll also get that hat. So it's a great opportunity to upgrade your uh, support. Thank you for supporting the podcast and supporting other photographers doing great things. Just head over to patreon.com fstop and listen. Well, speaking of Patreon, I also want to tell you about an amazing project that David Kingham has been working on. David is a longtime supporter of the podcast on Patreon, an incredible photographer, and an amazing human. About a year ago now, David purchased the old Nature Photographers Network website in a quest to rekindle a community dedicated to nature and landscape photographers. NPN is a safe place to get amazing critiques on your photographs, learn from industry experts, and a lot more. Here are some advantages of using NPN. NPN. It's a platform designed for and by nature and landscape photographers. There's a huge community of like-minded photographers over there to interact with. And NPN membership includes many discounts to great books, tutorials, and products. Check it out by going to naturephotographers.network. All right. Well, lastly, do you support the show on Patreon and want a shout-out on the show? I love to promote what you guys are doing, so contact me and let's find a way to make it happen. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, well, Mandy Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh you were actually recommended uh to us early on in the podcast uh by Joshua Cripps. So
1: Oh, great. I love him. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, he's he is an awesome guy, super funny, um super personable and talkative, so I really like him. And um, any, anytime someone like that recommends somebody, I'm like, yes, that sounds great.
1: <laughs> well, I hope not to disappoint.
0: Oh, no, I, I think you'll do great. So let's start off, maybe just uh, introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and kind of how you got into this crazy world of landscape photography that we find ourselves in.
1: Oh, man. Okay. So like, the summation of my thirty-six years of life here, really quick in like a few sentences. <laughs> uh, well, um, I I honestly can't say like when I got into photography. I know it's like super cheesy. A lot of people say, "Oh, I don't." I've been doing it my whole life, but I don't know. I, at some point, you know, it. I, I had always told myself it would always be a hobby. I'm never going to do it as a job because I hate professional photographers. <laughs> and. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was just my thing. I was like, it's my hobby. I don't want to ruin it by making it my job. And then after getting a degree in Chinese, moving to China, moving back to the US and realizing I didn't like, all I wanted to do was take pictures. I was like, okay, fine. This is going to be my job. (laughs) And um, so I worked in uh, Austin, Texas at a camera store there for 10 years. And I mean. I was grateful for that opportunity. I learned a lot about uh, photography. I learned a lot about the photography industry. I got to meet a lot of people who, you know, were doing photography as a career. So I feel like I got a really, really good behind the scenes look at just like the industry and life and what it was like. And um, at the same time, I got totally burnt out because I was doing Uh, I was the house photographer at a theater there. I was doing weddings. I was doing events. And I was working my nine-to-five job at the camera store. So, I mean, super long story short, I got kind of burnt out. I bought a teardrop trailer. And I really missed – I grew up in Colorado. And, like, the one thing Texas does not have is mountains. (laughs) And, like, you have to drive, like, forever to get somewhere – uh, just gorgeous, you know that you can camp. So um, I was like, "Well, I'm just going to camp every weekend." And uh, I started doing that, and I realized this is the only thing that makes me happy. Like, I'm not happy Monday through Friday. I'm only happy on the weekends when I'm camping. Uh, this is going to be my life. This is going to be my job. So I quit my job. I turned in my notice at uh, the camera store or at my apartment. Um, So I had to be out of my apartment. And as I'm like getting ready to move into my little teardrop trailer, uh, some people, well, a lot of people have heard this story. Um, My little teardrop got stolen.
0: Oh, no. As I
1: was like planning on moving into it. Yeah. (laughs) It was a wreck and it was a mess of a time. And um, it was really, really cruddy experience. But through that whole thing, the silver lining is that that story – for whatever reason, went kind of viral on like Facebook. And I was on the news and I got like thousands of messages. And I mean, I had insurance, like, I mean, at the time I was freaking devastated, but in the long run, like I had insurance, I got it replaced. And, um, but that whole incident kind of renewed my faith in social media, which is really weird because I had such a positive response on social media mm. and people started following me. Um, I got a really good relationship with the camper company who I still, um, new camp makes my camper and I still have a great relationship with them. And, um, you know, it kind of got me that initial boost. I just needed to get on the road mm. and, and do this. It was, it was, a. I hate to like I hate when people refer to me as like that girl who got her trailer stolen because I'd like to think I <laughs> made a name for myself right now. uh well not every now and then i didn't it, I, it did, I didn't know
0: that about you so you got that going for you um <laughs> all right I'm glad I'm really glad <laughs> well I was I'm super curious like when when you decided to embark on this journey I mean how did you even think about how you're going to, how are you going to financially support yourself through this?
1: Right. Uh, that is a good question. Um, I didn't have, I'm not one of those people who needs like a totally completely, you know, outlined plan of the next five years of my life. So I had ideas. I knew I needed to work. Like I, the last thing I wanted was to be like a bum traveling artist who runs out of money in three months and can't do it anymore. Like, my my number one thing was to make this like a legit career that's like sustainable and I'm like pulling my weight in the world. So I knew photography was going to be my main thing and I knew, I knew I wanted to teach workshops and I had a pretty good portfolio, but like I didn't totally have, I don't know, I guess I didn't have a full plan, but I knew anytime you start a new business, it takes at least three to six months to really get it off the ground and start making money. So I kind of gave myself that window. I was like, okay, Mandy, if you don't make any money for three to six months, that's fine. But if it goes longer than that, like you got to step up your game. And everyone would ask me like, well, what's plan B? You know, where are you going to land when you fail? Like everybody just thought I was going to fail. Like how long are you going to do this? You know, thinking I'd say a few months and I was just like, I'm not going to fail because there is no plan B. Like that was my answer. I was just like, there is no plan B. So I guess plan A is going to work.
0: You know, it's interesting when people are up against the wall like that. I feel like they take bigger risks and, um, you know, they're able to achieve greater things just out of necessity.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And And I also like, I think part of being burnt out is that when you work for a company or other people and you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, That, that time, it's like paying rent. Like That time is all going into something else that's not you. Mm-hmm. And when it came to like, okay, now I'm working 80 hours a week, but it's all going to build me up and my business and who I am, you're, you work harder and you're more willing to do it, I think. So I was willing to work every second of every day on making this life happen. Yeah, and not being burnt out about it.
0: Yeah. So if there's people listening that are like, "Oh my God, that sounds amazing." What what advice would you have for them to to try to do something similar? Oh my gosh,
1: this is an amazing question because I literally have complete strangers who email me and they're just like, "I want your life. How can I do it?" (laughs) And it it drives me insane Um, because I don't think people realize that it's a lot of work. I'm like, I'm not on vacation 365 days a year like i work far harder far more hours than i ever worked before and so i would say like my suggestion would be don't disillusion yourself into thinking that you work a couple hours you go somewhere and like people pay you for it cuz that's not what happens um you know i'm on my computer i mean 40 hours a week in addition to going out and documenting these adventures and these uh working events and like putting myself out there i'm my own business manager marketer advertiser and doer of everything i do so people just don't seem to realize that like it's work
0: <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i think i don't know i definitely recognize that it's that it's a lot of work cuz i I was actually laid off from my job uh two years ago and i kind of was at a crossroads of oh man should i should i become a full-time professional photographer or should i find another job and i i ended up getting another job because the idea of full-time professional photography for me was kind of daunting and overwhelming in terms of making it work especially with you know a wife and a mortgage and a kid so mm-hmm. um yeah i i definitely appreciate that for sure <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, that being said, it's like, it is super rewarding, but I mean, it doesn't come without like effort and, you know, and skill and talent too. Like, I mean, it takes kind of the whole package to make it work.
0: Yeah. I'm curious. Um, I'm guessing, you know, you mentioned you spend, you spend a lot of time on the computer um Have you found yourself using various tools or websites or things of that nature that help you kind of streamline um your business practices, whether it be for social media or for workshops or for any other aspect of kind of how you keep things afloat?
1: Mm, Not necessarily. I kind of do everything. I mean, we keep a pretty good calendar and like to-do list obviously, but, um, as far as like, you know, I build my own website and I just do that through WordPress and I post everything myself just through the regular social media channels. And I mean, I do regular things like I got a MailChimp mailing list. Um, but it's pretty much just the same things every other business is doing really
0: it's cool yeah so just a lot of discipline and regularity yeah. and just keeping on a schedule yeah yeah for sure yeah.
1: so anyway yeah i would definitely tell people like it's rewarding and it's 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 fun but it's also a lot of work and it's something that like you have to have something to offer the world So when I first hit the road, you know, like I said, the first year was probably kind of slow. I spent about, um, I don't know, eight months maybe in a little tiny tag trailer. It's like the smallest teardrop and I loved it and I was full time. And then um, while I was in that teardrop, I met Kendrick who is still with me and lives with me. And um, he moved into the little tag teardrop with me and he was living in his uh, Toyota Tacoma at the time. So we kind of combined our tiny lives, and we've been on the road um, in total. I've been on the road for three and a half years now, and about three of them have been with Kendrick. So there have been two of us living super tiny, and he's become a huge help in the business as well. So
0: mm. yeah, that 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 would be critical. I feel like is having somebody that can you know you can bounce ideas off of that can help kind of take on some of the tasks of running the business. I think I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think that's super important.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's changed the dynamic. But um, I think it's also added a whole nother topic for us to talk about. I mean, it's not only I mean, photography is obviously a huge part of it. But it's also living tiny and RV living and life on the road and relationship on the road and like, all these things that people follow us for now. So I kind of consider us like photography is what we have to offer, but you know, people follow us for more reasons than that.
0: For sure. Well, speaking of that life on the road, um, I know that I've, I've heard other people. Um, I have a couple other friends that kind of live life on the road as photographers full-time. And I know that one thing I've noticed is that, you know, that lifestyle seems to be kind of glamorized by social media, especially on Instagram. And I'm curious kind of what your experience has been in terms of of that relationship with, you know, the lifestyle and kind of what the realities of it are for, for people that may not actually see? Because I'm sure you're not posting all of the, uh, <laughs> like you're not posting the fights and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> no, not usually. Uh, yeah, it's it's been pretty interesting, especially as time's gone on. Um, you know, we meet a lot of other full timers. But I would say, I mean, honestly, of all the full timers we meet, most of them quit after six months, maybe a year. And I think it's because all these people, they live, they move into a trailer or even like a tiny home and they realize, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Uh, it's too small or they realize my original plan to make money is not going to work. Uh, I need to quit. <laughs> I think, you know, what really bothers me is that we, we travel a lot and we'll see these people with, um, they'll put their Instagram tag on their, on their cool van or whatever. And we're like, wow, they put it on their van. They must be, they must be big, you know, and we'll look them up and we'll have like 20 followers and we're like, what the heck? <laughs> and what we realize is that people are starting these, um, Instagram accounts, Facebook accounts, Patreon accounts. And what they're doing is they're just saying like, we're traveling, pay us money. And I'm like, that's not a reason to pay you money. Like what that, like, what else are you offering? You know, like, that's not a thing. You don't just get to go on vacation and expect people to pay you for it. (laughs) I think that's what people really expect, especially like, I hate, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, these young people, van lifers, they think, well, if we just go post cute, like Instagram pictures, people will give us money. And, uh, the way I look at it is that you have to, yes, you can live on the road, but you have to offer something to the world, you know, you still have to have a job. And so, you know, for us, right. that's photography, that's workshops, that's educational videos, that's speaking. I mean, that's what we do. And if you don't have that to offer, then offer something else, you know? Um, there's other things you can do on the road. But what you can't do is be a professional vacationer and expect to get paid for it.
0: That's fascinating. <laughs> I, did, I guess I didn't realize. But it's it's amazing how many
1: people there are. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's. I guess I didn't realize that there's, that, there's people out there that, um, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that kind of glamorize the lifestyle. But um, I always envisioned people kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better way of saying it, that kind of uh sacrifice some of their ethics and morals to like I'm going to take a picture of me eating Skittles in my RV and then have Skittles they're going to sponsor me on Instagram yeah. like they do crazy weird stuff like that where they're brand ambassadors for stuff that makes absolutely no sense to what their lifestyle actually is. I see that a lot on Instagram but um I didn't realize there's people that took it a step lamer than that which is just pay me to do nothing
1: (laughs) yeah i mean if you look on like like yeah we're on patreon but i feel like what we offer is like beyond just hey we're on vacation but there are a lot of like youtube channels patreon accounts instagram accounts who just say like yeah give us money but like you brought up the you brought up the word brand ambassador which i think is also another big you know that's a key word these days and um Kendrick and I, we are brand ambassadors for a couple of brands, but I've, we're very strict about like, okay, it has to be something we really truly use. We really truly believe in and whether or not we were a brand ambassador for them, we would still be using their product. That's like key. Second is we're not paying to do it. They're paying us to do it. Like you have to have some kind of you're free advertising all of a sudden. And there's people out there who will, they're brand ambassadors, but you know what they get is they get like $100 worth of free product. And they're giving away thousands of dollars worth of free advertising. And they're totally undervaluing it. Or there's people who pay the company to be a brand ambassador. And I just think it's it's absolutely insane because they're literally paying to like clout their own name. And I just, I don't know. (laughs) Said <laughs>
0: it's an interesting business strategy, right? Like I'm going to pay you to uh, use my, use my name. I don't know. It's, it's very fascinating. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, they think it gives them more clout by saying that they represent a particular company when really it doesn't mean anything. And so, you know, we really believe like we literally, the people were ambassadors for we would use their product regardless yeah and I think that's the key is not selling out in that regard
0: no definitely I mean I um I'm not like sponsored by anyone or anything like that but I definitely have brands that I have relationships with and it's only because I think that their product is high quality and something that that I would recommend to other people if it wasn't then I would be like yeah I don't want to even talk about it so it's crazy though, people do anything to be sponsored by anyone, which just kind of blows my mind,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say one of my one of my biggest things when I first hit the road was what I said earlier is like I wanted to be able to have a self sustaining life where I still contributed to society, and I wasn't just like basically a homeless person in a pay me teardrop pay me to travel <laughs> and um <laughs> And I feel like in that, like we've really succeeded, you know?
0: Yeah. What are what are some other aspects of, of life on the road that you feel like have been glamorized by social media?
1: A lot of it is, well, when you look at Instagram, uh, a lot of the photos you see are from, you know, maybe really famous or popular spots. And I've been meaning to do a blog on this because I have a lot of pictures of us going to really touristy places. And we'll take the super Instagrammy make it look like an ideal location picture. And then I'll turn around and I'll take a picture of what's behind me, which is usually like 200 tourists waiting in line to take the same photo. Um, I mean, it's unbelievable how many places in national parks, when we went down to Mexico and we got, we were by some waterfalls and like, yeah, we took some really great photos, but then you turn around and what you don't see are the 200 people just like standing around you trying to get the same picture. And uh, that's something Instagram doesn't show you. We actually started a totally satirical Instagram account because I need things to keep me entertained when I'm bored. And I don't know how many of your listeners I'm going to offend, uh, but there are a lot of uh, Instagram accounts which feature, let's say, a really beautiful location and maybe somebody who can do a few yoga poses and they're like what I like to call super hipster um and these are the people who i just kind of yeah it might be fun for a while but they're the those are the posts who are really glamorizing it for everybody and so i started an Instagram account called man, it's called man bun yoga. (laughs) And Kendrick has long hair. And he does he knows nothing about yoga. He's like the worst. So we put his hair in a man bun. And he'll take his shirt off and he'll go do some stupid, simple yoga pose in a really beautiful spot. And, you know, I'm a photographer. So I take this as a creative outlet for myself to take a, a picture. And then we'll post it on Instagram with some really cheesy parody about a man bun like, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single man bun, or like we'll we'll take all these really cheesy quotes and put them on there, and it's my little creative outlet way of being satirical to that world. It's fun.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's
1: awesome. Oh my gosh, you have to look it up. It is amazing, right? <laughs> so they're all like, he knows if you really look, he knows like three poses, which we googled.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. So I love uh, satire accounts on Instagram. I don't know if people get it or not, like, but because you
1: only get it if you actually read it, right? Like, if you just look at the pictures, you're just like, ah, oh, there's another yogi.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. um, One of our former guests, uh, Ben Horn, he actually has an account called Wilderness Influencer, which is a little bit more obvious, right? Because it's like, <laughs> <he> calls himself <laughs> Yeah, Influencer. <laughs> Um, but it's it's hysterical
1: I'll have to check it out yeah I think the whole reason we started it I mean obviously we were like annoyed with those people but also like I just needed a creative outlet because everything we were doing was like every photo I took was for work like work 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 and I was just like you know what I just want to take a picture of Kendrick doing something silly (laughs) (laughs) and we're in beautiful locations all the time and i kind of miss taking portraits i used to do portraiture in austin and uh i kind of missed it so i was like eh, this is kind of a way to like do that and have fun at the same time and then kendrick comes up with a lot of the quotes so it's <laughs> kind of a joint thing
0: i love that well <clears throat> i know that um you recently did a pretty epic journey uh from the northernmost part of alaska to the southernmost point in mexico And I'm like, I have all kinds of questions about that. Like, why did you want to do that? And what was the purpose of that trip? And so, yeah, like, tell us a little bit about about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, kind of great segue. Like, another reason we did it was uh, teaching photography workshops. It's super easy to get into kind of a annual routine because you have the places you go, you know, your, you know, you know, your workshops, they're easy to fill. You don't have to scout. So we kind of foresaw that coming like, uh, this year we're going to do all the exact same workshops we did last year. And we still wanted to do them, but in an effort not to get burnt out, we were like, we better do some big project. And, um, like I said, we worked pretty close with our, um, camper company, new camp. And so we were like, you know, maybe we could do some big trip and, you know, make it beneficial for people. And like, we're not just on a vacation. So our original, uh, proposition to them was to do the northernmost point of Alaska all the way down to, uh, like Argentina, Patagonia, you know, and wow yeah yeah <laughs> uh, we proposed that and they were like well no that's going to take forever and we're like okay what about the northernmost point of alaska to the southernmost point of mexico cuz that was something we knew we could do like within reason of seasons uh in like 6 months and still like you know enjoy the time so um so yeah that's what we did and we kind of got we made it kind of a combination of photography. We worked in some photo workshops. We could still make money doing that kind of thing. Then we also got like the camper company involved so we could show them like, I mean, there's not that many campers you can take down those roads and it will not fall apart. So um, it was a really great journey to do that. And then we made like uh, YouTube videos about it. And um, we could kind of share our experience, and obviously the most interesting parts were Alaska and Mexico. Um, everything in the middle was fun, but people were really interested in those first two parts. So um, we were able to kind of share, you know, what it's like. Tips. We put together a lot of videos about it. It was it was a pretty exciting journey.
0: Yeah. When when did you start and when did you finish?
1: We started in um, 2018. We started at the end of august so um i think we were up to alaska i know we ended you we spent august up in alaska so it was basically august of 18 through february of 19
0: that's not bad
1: yeah before it was too cold we were up in alaska and then we spent the winter in mexico so it was kind of perfect um but it was a pretty long trip like we we got all the way up to the northernmost point of Alaska that you can drive to, which is Prudhoe Bay. Um, there's northern, further north towns that you can fly to, but like we're taking our camper. And uh, we jumped into the Arctic Ocean on August 8th, I remember, because that was Kendrick's birthday. Uh, so we decided to jump into the arctic ocean up there and then we'd finish the trip by jumping into the ocean down at the Guatemala border. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. What was uh what are some of like the highlights of that trip? Oh gosh. Um there's like a million. <laughs> you
1: know, it's weird when you embark on something like this. I mean, that trip if I were to like equate it to my normal life, it would have taken me 10 years to have the number of adventures that we had in six months. Um, I would say up in Alaska, some of our highlights were, um, well, jumping in the Arctic Ocean was fun, although I will say there is nothing up there. It's like a big oil field. So unless you're just trying to like, you know, check it off your bucket list, there's no reason to go up there. Uh, But we flew out to Katmai National Park where there's like all the bears. Mm -hmm. And it was... It was the single most expensive thing we did, but it was also like worth every penny, so that was amazing up there
0: yeah that i I would love to see that for sure
1: yeah we're we're always super we're cheap and we're like hesitant to buy things, but you know there's something to be said for when you spend money on experiences versus stuff, and uh I think that was a good choice. So that was probably, and then up there too, we did, we did like a a glacier cruise to see some wildlife. We went on some hikes out to some glaciers. Um, We did a lot of hiking up there. That was really fun. And then, you know, I mean, there was a lot of stuff we did in the States and I I don't want to like skip over the States because there's a lot of amazing things to see here. But I think typically when I talk to people, they're more interested in like, but what about when you went to Mexico? Um, cause we, dro- we drove there and we spent three months there in our camper, which is something like when we announced it online that we were going to do it, I literally had people messaging me like, nice knowing you, <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> I was like, all right.
0: Like, yeah, I don't think it's that bad in Mexico. Come on
1: no i I think the news has done a pretty rough job of representing, and that's not to say like there's definitely dangers down there, especially if you're stupid and you do stupid things for sure, and you know you go out in the wrong part of town at the wrong part of night um but if you're smart and nice, and
0: I mean you could nice, say that about like any city in the United States too, though
1: yeah, that's what I say. I'm like it's yeah, it's dangerous, but I mean, it's also dangerous to go camp in the middle of a big city in here, you know, but there was a lot of prep and research that we did, but I will say like our experience was overwhelmingly positive and I would go back in a heartbeat.
0: That's awesome. I was going to say you've been, uh, traveling, uh, the Northern, uh, North, North America in your, in your teardrop, teardrop trailer for three and a half years I'm really curious to hear about how your your process in photography um, as a photographer, like how has that evolved? Like do you find yourself um, shooting the same types of scenes? are, are you sh- finding yourself changing your style of photography? Like what has your journey as a photographer been like through that uh, that time period? Oh man, self-evaluation time. <laughs>
1: uh, I would say I I've definitely improved and I definitely feel more comfortable with my work. And the reason I say that is I look back on work from 3 or 4 or 5 years ago and work that I was so proud of like stuff I printed, you know, to put in coffee shops to sell and I look back at that and I'm like, "Oh my god, what were you thinking, Mandy?" And that, I think, is a really good thing. If you look back on your work from years later and you think that was crap, that's an amazing thing because that means you have grown and you've improved. Mm. And, you know, it's not to say you were terrible, but if you don't look back on your stuff, that's a problem. If you're like, oh, yeah, that was great. That's the best picture I ever took five years ago. That's when you have a problem. So, um, and I do that. I look back and I also see improvement not only in, like, you know, how I've shot things, but, um, like my post-processing and my editing, I'll look back at stuff and I'll be like, man, I need to re-edit that thing. What was I thinking? (laughs) Um, and I think that's a good thing again, because it means I've maybe refined my taste or my style or learned new things. And, um, and I think really I can attribute it to, I have the luxury of this is my job and I get to do it all the time. You know, people who are trying to learn photography, who have a nine to five job that they're stuck to, and they only get to go out once a month or, you know, once every couple months, it's hard because you don't get that continual improvement. Whereas I'm shooting like every day, every week, you know, it it comes more naturally to me now and I'm naturally you grow when you do something that much. So it's certainly been a benefit and it's a continual like anything else, continual learning process. I go and I speak at these events, but I'm listening to everybody else speak and I'm like constantly learning from my peers and, uh, taking tips from here and there. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, have you noticed that, um, that, your style of photography or the types of images that you're taking pictures of has, has evolved through your journey?
1: Uh, maybe it's gotten a little more refined. Um, I mean, I've always been, since I hit the road, I've been doing really primarily like these kind of grand landscapes. Um, and, you know, I definitely think I've improved and maybe it's like I said, it's refined itself a little bit, but like it hasn't changed as far as subject matter or anything. Um, but I think everything from taking the initial photograph to the editing and the final product has all kind of just become a little more eloquent. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Do you find yourself spending less time editing now that you're um, I don't know, like you probably have a lot more images to edit than you maybe you did before you embarked on this journey. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I just have a much bigger backlog, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that happens. I think like as much as I may become better and better at editing and I might know my style and my technique and like my formula, um, I'm still as picky as ever. And, you know, I'll still spend forever on one image just because I won't be happy if I don't. Um, So I just have like a pretty giant backlog of stuff. So if I'm ever bored, there's always a million things I can go back and look at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you have you found at all that that your journey has kind of changed your outlook On photography? I
1: don't know. That's like a deep question. (laughs) I love photography and um, I always have and I always will, but I also have always hated photography. As I said at the very beginning when I was like 15 years old and I picked up my first camera, I was like, man, I love this, but I never do it as a job. And I think back then I knew what I know now is like doing something as your job makes you realize the good and the bad of it. Mm-hmm. And there's things I hate about the industry, there's things I hate about having your passion be your job. But in the end, I think it's probably you know, more of a reward because um the things I love about photography far far outweigh the things I hate about Photographers, <laughs> and that's not to say. I mean, oh, that sounded terrible. I love. I I do not hate all photographers. Um, I absolutely love the ones who are supportive, and who you can. I learn so much from my peers, and um, I, I guess it's more the industry than the photographers. It's what the industry makes it, and so I really want to rephrase that. Um, because I absolutely love. Uh, learning from other people, collaborating with other people. And um, it's really just what the world makes it that becomes frustrating at times. Uh, but I think that's every industry, not just photography. I think that's any art, any business. I mean, anything.
0: What are what are the, some of the things that you don't like about the industry?
1: Um, I feel like it makes something that should be a purely purely enjoyable experience. Like taking a photograph is not about the end result. It's about the experience. And I think the industry makes it a competition. And the last thing I want to do is compete with my peers who I love and respect. Mm -hmm. But it always becomes this like you know, it's a contest. There's photo contests, there's awards, there's this and that. There's what, and who's to judge art? You know, I mean, art is such a subjective thing, which is why I don't participate in photo contests and I don't enjoy them because it takes away all of the, I don't know, the feeling and the experience and the joy that you get from art. But like I said, I think that comes in, a lot of arts Mm
0: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. and I don't want to compete. I don't want to be in competition with my friends. I want to be friends with my friends, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, um, social media, uh, amplifies that or does it help? Um, does it help you as an artist connect more with your friends or does it pitch you against your friends or is it kind of your choice?
1: Uh, I think it's your choice. It's all about your attitude towards it. So, I actually like social media, but that's because I've taken the attitude of, and, and this has taken me a while to grow. Like I'm going to look at art that I respect and that photography that I feel is better than mine. And rather than look at it as a competition, I'm going to look at it as inspiration. And that is like a fundamental thing you've got to like truly accept. So um, it took me time too. Cause you know, sometimes you look at all this like great photography and you can really get down on yourself. Like, man, why, why aren't I that good? Or you can look at it as just like total inspiration. Like, oh man, that's awesome. I'm going to go, you know, shoot now. Cause that made me feel good. And, um, it's, it's a hard kind of internal choice to make. And I would say most people don't make that choice. So social media can be bad if you don't treat it the right way, mm-hmm. but it can also be really positive. And I feel like it's been positive for me. Like, like I said, I've had my bad days, but I, in the end I look at it and I'm like, man, those people are awesome. I want to be just like them, <laughs> you know, uh, especially when you get to know them as people, you you know, I've met a lot of these people I've kind of idolized, uh, and, when I meet them, I'm like, man, they're cool.
0: <laughs> you know? All right. Well, I was super curious and excited to talk to you about a recent project you did um, where you climbed 14 Colorado 14ers, which if you don't know what that is, it's a 14,000 foot mountain. Uh, you did it in 14 days. Um, I, I've i actually climbed all the 14ers, uh, 53. And I've also climbed the highest hundred mountains in Colorado, but not obviously 14 in 14 days. So what inspired you to do this kind of crazy idea?
1: Uh, I would say um, it's kind of along the same lines as our Alaska to Mexico trip, where it was like, we want to do something that inspires us, uh, but something that we could still create really amazing content to share that could be useful to other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up in Colorado. I was uh, born in Fort Collins and raised there. And, you know, Kendrick lived in Fort – or he lived in Boulder for a while. And so we just miss Colorado. And we're like, well, what the heck can we do in Colorado that would be amazing? And we were sitting around at um, a distillery one night and we were like – well, let's do something with the Colorado 14ers because I've really been wanting to go up some of them. And he, we we had two free weeks and we're like, well, perfect, let's do 14 14ers in 14 days. And while we're sitting there at this distillery, um, it was actually in Uray, it was the, the I think it was the KJ oh, yeah. Woods distillery. Uh-huh. Um, the lady was like, hey, do you have our Colorado Spirits trail brochure? And we're like, no. And she brings it out. And she brings out this brochure that has, like, all these distilleries on it. And Kendrick and I are, like, huge whiskey fans. And we're like, whoa, I had no idea. And so I'm like, hey, let's do 14 14ers and go to 14 distilleries in 14 days. And we're like, yeah, that would be totally awesome. Uh, But then Kendrick loves beer. And he's like, well, Colorado's known for its microbreweries. So, of course, we have to do 14 breweries, too. And I'm like, okay, well, now that's really weird. 314 things. I was like, we got to get it up to like a rounder number, like 98. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we decided to do within 14 consecutive days uh, hike 14 14ers, go to 14 distilleries, 14 breweries, 14 coffee shops. So we didn't seem like alcoholics. Uh, visit 14 like you know, prominent water features, 14 scenic drives and 14, uh, native Colorado wildflowers. So it kind of ended up being this like total tourism thing of Colorado, uh, featuring all of our favorite things. And it was absolutely exhausting and absolutely amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, which, uh, which 14ers did you do?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So we actually ended up hiking, I would say of the 14 days, we only had, um, seven actual hiking days. So we started with Handy's Peak, which is like one of the easier ones, Mm -hmm. um, which is good. So Kendrick's done all of them, um, like multiple times and I have not. So really the challenge of the 14ers was for me, um, We started with Handies and then we did Mount Snuffles, but we went up the, what is it? The Southwest Ridge, which was like totally, for me, totally sketchy, uh, but I loved it and it was scary. And then we did Castle and Conundrum. um, And then we did uh, Bierstadt and Evans, but we did the, Mm -hmm. okay, Kendrick knows all about this. He's going to hate me if I forget the name of it. It was the uh, Cirque day abyss is that what it's called the Cirque day abyss where you you park up at evans but then you like go down and then you like come up beer and then up evans and like make this huge loop and that pretty much killed me <laughs> uh because evans evans is one you can traditionally like basically drive up but like we did not do that we went up there and then we like made this huge hike of it and um again it was beautiful i mean it was absolutely amazing and it was like a totally cool alternate route to do. Um, But anyway, so, and then we did um, DeCalebron, the Democrat Mm -hmm. Cameron Lincoln Bross in a day. And that was, that was not too bad, except we got caught in like a crazy electrical storm on Bross and had to like, for me, I mean, again, all this stuff is so natural to Kendrick, but like for me, I got, it scared the shit out of me. (laughs) One of those days where you could like feel Like this girl walked up while we were on the uh, peak of brass and we're just up there and it was kind of snowing, but we had like warm clothes on. So I didn't care. And we're taking pictures and this girl walks up and as soon as she gets to the top, she just goes, my head feels funny. And she like feels her hair. And then I... like feel my head and i'm like holy shit there's gonna be an electrical storm like i could feel my hair standing on end i don't know if you felt that but it is like the scariest thing and kendrick being so sweet he was like mandy start running and he like gathered all our stuff and um and let me kind of start heading down ahead of him and it was scary oh man anyway but we got down obviously Uh and then we did belford and oxford
0: uh-huh
1: And then uh, we finished up with Chavano and uh, Tabawash.
0: Yeah, Tabawash. I can't
1: pronounce any of them. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, we tried to do it. Kendrick was really great in planning it and making it like in 14 days, like what's practical for me as a like, I mean, that's, I had done previous to this. I had done like five 14ers in my life. So to do 14 and 14 days was like, kind of crazy so he did a really good job i think of planning um a way we could do it practically and like try to knock off several in a day that weren't too crazy and intense yeah
0: yeah no lightning's no joke i remember uh when i was like seven i did a high 13er near albert called uh U ray and uh when I got uh-huh. to the top with my dad, I was wearing like a baseball cap. And, you know, back in the day, the baseball caps on the top like, had that little metal rivet on the very top that held all the straps together. Uh-huh. And it was like vibrating. It was like, digga, 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 digga. So like we, and then it started raining and we just bailed and yeah, it was super scary. And I have a huge respect for, for lightning in the high country because man, it's dangerous. Yeah, no, I've had I've had lots of fucked up experiences on on mountains in Colorado, so I totally respect all that.
1: <laughs> in the end though, I mean, I I honestly like did not know if I could physically do it. I knew Kendrick could, like he's been up all of them a million times and so, but I was like seriously, I might not be able to do this, but um and some of the days were really challenging for me and And for Kendrick, simply for having to like put up with me (laughs) complaining. But he did really good in like encouraging me and getting me up all of them. But then another huge part of it, aside from just like physically being challenging for me, we like there aren't that many distilleries in the uh, western part of Colorado. Like there's a lot up and down the Front Range, but that's not where the 14ers are. So to get to, 14 distilleries near the 14ers was kind of a planning nightmare because they're not all open every day they have very limited hours and so there was actually a lot of like driving and planning that had to take place to hit the distilleries and the 14ers in the 14 days yeah Uh, that
0: sounds like a logistical nightmare it kind of was yeah
1: but we did it and uh but yeah, we had to like, there were some long days where it was just like, man, we're on our third brewery and I'm exhausted, but we have to go to this distillery or we're not going to get it. And
0: yeah. Did you, uh, did you make it down to Durango at all? Oh, uh, we did.
1: We actually started down there. Um, we did Ska Brewing down there, which is amazing. And, um, cause we had started kind of down around the like Silverton area, And then, and yeah, we definitely went up to Durango. It was awesome. And uh, Durango Craft Spirits was there, which was awesome. So they had a distillery and a brewery for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I live like three blocks from that distillery. Oh, well, there you go. I
1: hope you've stopped in because they were awesome. Yeah. They were the first ones to really. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been putting together um, out of that. We've been putting together 14 YouTube videos. So like one for each day. And, um, obviously I could not work on it during the project. Like I didn't have the time or energy. So they're all kind of coming out. I'm trying to do one a week. Um, and I'm editing number seven right now. So although the project is done, like
0: we're still putting together all the footage and,
1: and all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, YouTube. Um, so what, first of all, I guess for people listening, like what is your YouTube channel?
1: uh it's just Mandy Lee Photo. Mandy Lee L E A Photo. It's it'll pop up and um yeah, I mean our channel is like it covers everything from photography to just living on the road. Every now and then I throw in just random trailer tours because they kind of help get us views and then we do these adventure videos. So could be we did a 13-day backpacking trip in the Grand Canyon. could be our Alaska to Mexico series, our 14ers series. Um, And so we try to mix in everything from photography to camping to just general adventuring. And we try to keep it pretty real. Um, We try not to be those people who are just like faking it. But it's hard, you know. It's hard to put your best (laughs) foot forward. And not fake it.
0: (laughs) Which is takes us in uh, full circle, like why people glamorize the lifestyle, right? Because It is, yeah. (laughs) It's almost like fake it till you make it. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I will say like there's a part of it where, yeah, we don't post the bad stuff really publicly. But we also try to be really real and not saying like, hey, this is perfect. You know, when I'm having a hard day, I'll say so. Uh, Or if like a particular hike was really hard for me, I'll say so. Um, I'm not just going to be like, Oh, it was a perfect day. Yay. (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, no, I think authenticity is super important.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it's been, it's been kind of fun and it's been, it's been neat to like connect to people on a different medium. Um, it's a ton of work, but it's kind of rewarding. I mean, being able to look back at videos we made a year or two ago is like, kind of the best gift I could give myself.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. And and, and you're also uh, doing photo workshops while you're on the road. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we do a lot
1: of them. We, I mean, a pretty significant source of our income is from workshops. But I mean, it's also one of the things we love the most because it is so incredibly rewarding to be able to take people you know, it might be a place that we've seen a thousand times before, but, you know, to be able to show it to somebody for the first time and for them to take a picture and to see they're like, oh, uh it's like what I live for. It's amazing. So we'll go around it like national parks and and some other areas too that we know and Um, And we're starting to do a lot of uh, guided backpacking trips too. So actually next week, we're taking a group down into the Grand Canyon as just a guided backpacking trip. And I think that's going to be a whole new avenue for us too.
0: That's awesome. Well, awesome. So uh, who do you think our listeners would uh, want to hear here on the podcast? Um, Okay, there's like a million people I love out
1: there. I would say people who have inspired me, whether it be photographically or emotionally or in any sort of way would be, um, there's a wildlife, uh, photographer, uh, Christy Odom. She kind of does wildlife. She does some weddings and all that stuff, but, um, really her travel has totally inspired me. Um, she's, awesome. she's just amazing and doing some kind of backpacking trips and stuff too. Um, Getting more kind of adventure uh there's Corey Rich, who uh he just does like absolutely amazing both stills and video too like his videos absolutely breathtaking, which is something I would love to get more into. I'm terrible at videography, but he totally inspires me um, I very recently and I will say recently as of like two hours ago, watched uh Joe McNally give a keynote speech, which oh sweet. Uh, he was, he was a Nat Geo photographer for like 25 years and, um, he just has an absolute amazing story. He just talked about what he did during nine 11 and all these projects he's been on and it's, it's, it's quite amazing. So he really inspires me too.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, no, he's, he does a lot of really awesome stuff and I think he's pretty well known, but, uh, yeah, those would be, would be awesome. oh yeah for sure
1: i mean i don't don't know who likes to do podcasts but like whatever pull you got i want all of them
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's right let's get them (laughs) well cool mandy this has been a lot of fun and um uh if you ever make it back to my neck of the woods here in colorado it'd be fun to uh, hit up a brewery or a distillery with you oh you know i will (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome well thanks so much for joining us i really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule
1: Oh, of course absolutely thanks for having
0: me well thanks to mandy for joining us on the podcast i am really excited to see where your adventure takes you next stay tuned through the outro to hear all about upcoming guests well first i want to tell you about a really exciting project that i'm releasing We actually are getting ready to award our Landscape Photography Conservation Award, which has been made possible by our amazing Patreon supporters, especially our Patreon supporters at the $20 a month level and higher. Uh, Those people include Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, David Kingham, Charlotte Gibb, Anton Everine, Lori Berenson, William Nurse, Ken Dono, Daniela Francois, James Bakavoy, Matthias Joland, Richard Wong, Zachary Smith, Frank Otto-Peterson, Michael Rung, Carrie Randall, Suzanne Mathia, Timothy Floyd, and Jason Clardy. Thank you guys so much for helping us uh, recognize a photographer that's doing great things. Uh, nominations for the award end at the end of December, and then we'll be having an independent panel of people uh, judging uh, the award. I'm hoping to find a couple more people to help judge that, so please reach out if you're interested. So far the award is over $1,500 and we have some amazing bonus uh, prizes to, given to us by some amazing brands who are aligned with our message. Uh, first up, uh, QT Luang is donating a limited edition copy of his award winning photo book, Treasured Lands. Treasured Lands is a book all about the 61 United States National Parks with location and photography notes for each photograph. The limited edition version is valued at two hundred and forty-five dollars, and you can check out a link to his amazing book in the liner notes. We also have thanks to uh, Viewbug, a uh, popular photo sharing and contest website. They are donating a Pro Plus membership to the winner of the award. We also want to give thanks to Tamron, a camera lens manufacturer. They are donating a forty-five millimeter f one point eight lens and. Uh, Read Art and Imaging, a fine art print lab located in Denver, Colorado. Um, they make a really great high-end acrylic prints and they're donating a $500 credit towards the purchase of an acrylic print. And lastly, Shimoda Designs, uh, the the camera bag manufacturer. uh, They design camera bags that are all about adventure and landscape and nature photography. And uh, I got to say, I just recently uh, did a review of their newest Action X series backpack, and it's quite incredible. There's a link to that over in the liner notes as well. Uh, They're donating to the winner a camera bag of their choice, a core unit, and a roller and accessory case worth $779 all right well let's talk about who's coming up on the podcast all right so first up we have Carl Vandenboom he's the founder of Valorette photography gloves and we had a really fun conversation it was it was really good time uh, we have Maria Grace she is a search engine optimization expert and she's going to be sharing all of her secrets to getting visitors to your website Uh, We have Paul Reefer, a landscape photographer from the United Kingdom. Jeff Bartlett, a photographer from the Pacific Northwest. Michael Strickland, a film photographer specializing in panoramic photography. Uh, Jonathan Tilley, a personal brand marketing expert. And Toby Harriman, a photographer living in Alaska and San Francisco. All right. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. We'll see you next week.